Psalm 33. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praise is comely for the upright. Amen. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with the psaltery and an instrument of ten strings. Sing unto him a new song. Play skillfully with a loud noise. For the word of the Lord is right, and all his works are done in truth. Amen. He loveth righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. Amen. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Amen. He gathereth the waters of the sea together as in heap. He layeth up the depths in storehouses. Let all the earth fear, fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Amen. For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of his heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven, he beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike. He considereth all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength, and horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Yes. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Amen. For our heart shall rejoice in him because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. Amen. So I'm not going to go through the psalm verse by verse. I want to focus on a section and use the surrounding verses to enhance the theme of these verses. And the verses I want to focus on are verses 16 through 19. And while we're going through these, I want you to think of this question. What makes you feel safe and secure in life? I'll read the, those four verses again. There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. And horse is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any by his great strength. Behold... The eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him, upon them that hope in his mercy to deliver their soul from death and to keep them alive in famine. Amen. Men will go to great lengths to make sure their lives, families, assets are all secure, safe, and protected from destruction or from being taken. The ruler of a nation will raise up an army so that he feels safe and secure from other men and other nations who would seek to destroy or claim his kingdom and its resources for themselves. A soldier will go to great lengths to increase strength to ensure they can kill an enemy in battle before their enemy kills them so they can deliver their own lives from death. A horse's speed and strength, combined with the elevated position of the rider, made a horse a relatively safe place to be on a battlefield, especially when a majority of the fighting in those days occurred up close and personal on the ground. But, but how, does this, how does this apply to us? Let's think of some things in our lives that we might subconsciously run to when life gets hard. A job, having a nice job can provide stability. Wealth, a full bank account can provide a financial safety net. A relationship or a spouse, both can be great helps in life and provide support through difficulty. 
But what does the Lord say of all of these efforts? An army won't save us. Much strength won't help us. A horse is worthless for safety, no matter how fast or strong we think he is. Having a nice job and a full bank account won't protect us if the bottom were to drop out tomorrow. And being married or surrounded by friends, the wonderful blessings from the Lord won't save us or protect us from all of life's troubles. Ecclesiastes 9.11 says this, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bread to the wise, nor yet riches to men of understanding, nor yet favor to men of skill, but time and chance happeneth to them all. Uh, but before I keep going, none of those things are inherently bad or wrong. We know that. There's lots of teaching that we, we know in the Bible that relates to a lot of these subjects. And, but they are bad or wrong when we trust in them more and we, when we trust in them or our own abilities more than we trust in the Lord yes. and His abilities. Yes. And sometimes some of these things can add more trouble to life if they're not sought out for the right reasons or with the right heart before the Lord. Yes. So, if none of these measures don't work, then what will provide true safety, protection, and comfort in this life? Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. Thus saith the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. But let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord, which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth. For in these things I delight saith the Lord. Amen. The Lord Jehovah, the God that rules over time and chance, is the only measure that works. He leaves absolutely no room for us to trust in anything we can see, measures we can take, or actions we can perform. Amen. But there are two criteria we have to meet first in verse 18, to fear God and to hope in his mercy. Yes. Verse 9 also says, let all the earth fear the Lord and all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Solomon's conclusion in Ecclesiastes also agrees with this, to fear God and keep his commandments. Conveniently, God also gave us a list of reasons for us to encourage ourselves to fear him and place our hope in him right here in this psalm. And I put together a quick summary in verses 4 through 15 of all these reasons. Verse 4, his word is right. Verses 4 through 5, everything he does is performed with perfect truth, equity, judgment, righteousness, holiness, purity, etc., Verse 5, he fills the earth with his goodness daily. Verse 6, what he says is as good as done and cannot be moved. Just look at the sky he made and the circuit the sun, moon, and stars faithfully follow each day. Verse 7, he is so great, he can make the water sit up like a pile of sand, just like he did at the Red Sea and at the Jordan River when the Israelites crossed into Canaan. I wanted to insert some from Isaiah in here too. Isaiah 51, 15 through 16 says this, but I am the Lord thy God that divided the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name. And I have put my words in thy mouth, and I have covered thee in the shadow of mine hand, that I, might pl- that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth, and say unto Zion, Thou art my people. Amen. Verse 10, he makes the counsel of his enemies nothing and makes their efforts worthless. Verses 9 and 11, they contrast this with his counsel and word, that stands forever to all generations, Amen. and none can prevent it or change it, as much as some would like to try. If it pleases the Lord to do it, it will be done. Isaiah 55, 10 through 11 says this, For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, 
that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Continuing the list, verse 12. So we've been reminded recently as well in Isaiah, the Lord will not forsake the covenant he has made with his people. In our case, he has chosen us to be part of his inheritance through Jesus Christ, his son. Uh, Earlier, some of those things that were mentioned earlier in this psalm were deliverance from death and famine. What greater deliverance have we than from our sin and from hell than through the Lord Jesus Christ? And then verses 13 through 15, the Lord looks down from heaven and sees and considers every thought, word, and action of man. What better defender to trust in than the one who always has every detail of every situation to help perfectly? Amen. So to conclude, I wanna, I wanna compare this with some lessons that we also learn in Isaiah chapter 20 and 30, and Isaiah chapter 22. Remember in chapter 20, when the Jews decided to trust in the strength of man by turning to Egypt for help instead of turning to the Lord for deliverance. In Isaiah 20, the Jews would end up like the captive, captive Egyptians if they went to men. The Lord would make their efforts of none effect. In Isaiah 30, we learned that their real strength was to sit still and yes. wait for the Lord to deliver them. In Isaiah 22, 9 through 11, the Lord says this, when uh, the Jews in Jerusalem were trying to prepare the city for the Assyrians to come and lay siege, ye have seen also the breaches of the city of David, that they are many, and ye gather together the waters of the lower pool. And ye have numbered the houses of Jerusalem, and the houses have ye broken down to fortify the wall. Ye made also a ditch between the two walls for the water of the old pool. Some pretty, pretty drastic efforts and preparations for an army. But ye have not looked unto the maker thereof, yes. neither had respect unto him that fashioned it long ago. If we trust in anything or seek anything more than we seek and love Jehovah himself and his son Jesus Christ, whether it be a job, wealth, relationship, spouse, etc., he can take away our comfort and hope in them. If we do it for long enough, he may even take them away from us altogether to bring us to a point where we have to trust in him. Yes. Let's never push the Lord to a point where he has to chasten us this way. Let's turn to him now and give him our whole heart and trust. Our strength is to wait on the Lord our God to prosper and direct our efforts. We're not fatalists. We still have to do something, but ultimately we trust him to prosper those things that we do. Not for us to beat against the wind, to prosper them by ourselves. In conclusion, I ask us all again, where or to what do we turn to for deliverance, safety, and comfort when life gets difficult? The psalm only leaves room for one answer, the Lord Jehovah himself. Let our answer to this question be verses one through three and 20 through 22. Rejoice in the Lord, O ye righteous, for praises comely for the upright. Praise the Lord with harp. Sing unto him with a psaltery and an instrument of 10 strings. Sing unto him a new song, play skillfully with a loud noise. Our soul waiteth for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him, because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us according as we hope in thee. If we respond this way, then it will be said of us to the glory of God. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom he hath chosen for his own inheritance. Amen. Amen.